The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello, and welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente, and I'm joined by the Libra icon, Dwayne. What's going on, Dwayne? Not much. Uh, it's been a wild week, and let's get into it. All right. And this week, we're joined, returning from a long hiatus, none other than the host of Beer It Is here on the CSPN. He's also writer for the Atlanta Braves, Mr. Nabias Wilborn. What's going on, Nabias? Finally, the championship. No, I'm just kidding. But nah, man, it's really good to be on with you gentlemen. And I tell you guys, you guys have really built a great chemistry together. So just glad to be in the mix for the week, man. Shout, shout out to you, too. Oh, man, we're so glad to have you back on. And thank you for the Welcome back, sir. man. Salute, salute. All right. You can find Know the Score on the CSPN. You can find us on the web at www.cspn.us. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and Google Play. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at KTSPod. So, gentlemen, we're going to talk a little baseball since we got Nabias on this week. Uh, we're getting close to Memorial Day. It's kind of the quarter pole of the season, really when people start kind of taking notice and checking standings. And even though they took an L last night, the Yankees have been the hottest team in baseball. They've won 17 out of their last 20 games. Um, they went from a you know team with struggling to basically a tie with the Red Sox in about a three-week stretch here. So Tobias was to chatting around baseball with now the Yankees warming up, and it seems like their bats are getting just as hot as the weather. Oh, man, it's bananas right now with the Yankees. I mean, look, you look at this team, right? Giancarlo Stanton got off to a really slow start. He was getting booed for the first couple of weeks, you know. Yankee fans, they do not play around. They were giving that man the business. All of a sudden, he started hitting a little bit better. Aaron Judge is hitting. Didi Gregorius is looking like one of the best players in baseball. Glabor Terrace, the young man, and their pitching has held up a lot better. CC Sabathia's kind of had to reinvent himself. So this is a club that you're looking at right now as one of the best teams in baseball because there's really not a major hole. The bullpen could be a little bit better. Starting pitching can be better, but I mean, there's about 28 teams you can say that about in baseball. All right, all right. But thing is, the Yankees can score runs. They can hit. They run the base as well. And they play good defense. They are a good American League club that you have to look at as a world championship contender. Yeah, and they're so young. And they're just, you know, and they all came in. They're kind of like the Derrick Jeter Yankees where they all, like, played together in the minor leagues. They kind of, you know, won together, lost together, and now they have this good team chemistry. And they well, don't- I mean, that's it. I mean, but that's the formula in baseball now. It's what it's what teams do. You know, you look at. I don't think there's ever going to be a run again, at least not with the way things are set up, where the Braves were division winners from '91 to what 2014 or whatever mm-hmm. it was. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that's ever going to exist again because of the way things are. You look at the Nationals right now; they've got a three-year run at top of NL East, and look like that's going to come to an end as of now. It's still early. I mean, we're not even 50 games in yet. So we do kind of have to, you know, press pause a little bit. However, it is hard to continue to do it. So what what do you do? You do a rebuild. You get rid of all the older expiring contracts and you start over and you hopefully build your minor league system. You know, I hate to call it tanking, but it is what it is. Well, I wouldn't call it tanking. I mean, you just, 
you're unloading guys, you know you aren't going to be good, so then you start rebuilding the minor league system. And that's what the Yankees did. That's what the Braves did. You look at the Houston Astros. That's how they got back to being a good team, getting all those guys, Carlos Correa and George Springer, and all those guys coming up, coming along together. I mean, and the other part is you want to win young while these guys are still cheap. I mean, you look at, you know, some of these guys like Labor Terrace. I mean, you know, he's not even making a million dollars a year yet. Mm-hmm. So what you want to do is you want to Aaron Judge. Then his second year, he's not making big money yet. You want to win while you have guys who aren't making that big money. And you want to win with them as your star players. Hence why you look at a team like the Braves. I'm sure we're going to get into that later. And they're young stars. Mm-hmm. So another team that's actually living up to expectations this year are the Angels out in L.A. There was a lot of hype coming into the season around uh, Shoatani. Um, he's definitely proven that, you know, he belongs and, you know, he's become one of the best hitters and pitchers uh, in the American League. Uh, Albert Pujols has had a resurgence this year, the last couple of years, actually about the middle of last year through the start of this season. He's been pretty consistent and it looks like, you know, Mike Trout finally has some help. And again, like you said, nobody's their pitching has kind of held up and, and their bullpen hasn't let them down as it has in the past couple of years. So just talk about the Angels and what the, the buzz is around them. Uh, because I know they generate a lot of excitement everywhere they go with that lineup and Atani and Trout. I mean, look, I mean, first of all, uh, you know, shout out to uh, Pujols. Right. He has, you know, he had his 3,000 hit, and he's been pretty good this year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Mike Trout is probably the best player in baseball all around. I mean, you know, true, quote-unquote, five-tool guy can do it all and does it all well. He is special. And now Otani, I mean, he might be a six-tool guy, I guess you could say. Because, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I don't know how long this lasts with him as a pitcher. I don't know if he's a better pitcher or a better hitter. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know how that works or how that's going to work. You know, obviously, him playing in the American League, and of course, you know, pitchers don't hit when they play, typically. Right. But it's going to be interesting to see – how long the experiment works with him. I think he hits, what, twice a week, and then he pitches the one time. And so what happens if you're the Angels and the guy gets hit by a pitch, gets hit on his hand, and mm-hmm. I was out for two or three weeks? Right. You know, I, I'm willing to bet that experiment stops. I think they see him more valuable as a pitcher than they do as a hitter. Not, And he's a really good hitter. So that'll be interesting. But, look, they're a good team. And that West, at some point, you do kind of have to wonder if there's going to be any competition, who else is going to step up in that division. But as of now, I mean, they look to be the class. I mean, you look at the, you know, the Oakland Athletics. I mean, they really haven't done much. So why can't they win that division? Why can't they make it to the playoffs? Right, right. Yeah, I think that they've got their best chance they've had in a long time. They they seem geared up. It's on the injury bug doesn't creep in on them they they should be pretty good well and that's and that's the tough part about this man i mean like i said we still haven't even made it to memorial day yet we're still very young into the season but there are certain things that are trends you are starting to see certain pitchers put together consistent outings you are starting to see certain hitters it, i think any major league baseball player can have a good week right but then when you start stringing together two and three and four weeks of consistent play now i have to look at you a little differently Mm-hmm. You got to be patient in this sport, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, like you alluded to, the Atlanta Braves and the Philadelphia Phillies, both teams are shockingly on top of the uh, National League East. Washington uh, has gotten off to a slow start. They're really missing Daniel Murphy. 
He was their kind of consistent guy in their lineup, generating everything. They don't have him. They're pitching. Scherzer's been great, but everybody after him has been kind of trying to find their stride. And like you said, the young stars for the Braves and the young stars for the Phillies have, you know, got these teams playing really good. Their pitching staffs are playing really well. Philly has really good closing pitching. I, I like their closing. Their bullpen is really good on the backside. So talk about, I know Atlanta, you know, you're with them every day. They brought up the super duper five, two star, Mr. Acuna. And, you know, that I know that's boosted a lot of things around them. So talk about the excitement with the Braves and, and the Phillies as well. Oh, geez. Actually, I think I'll start with the Phillies. I mean, look, I, I, I saw them literally during opening week and I saw Mike during spring training. Actually, I was when I was covering the Braves in spring training. Um, they, the Braves train in Orlando and of course the Phillies train in Clearwater. So I would get to see the Phillies a good bit during spring training. Gabe Kapler is a different type of dude as the manager and he makes some interesting moves sometimes. But mm-hmm. you know what? Right now it seems to be working. They have one of the better players in baseball and Reese Hoskins who just is not being talked about for how good of a hitter that guy is. Young dude, you know what I'm saying? What second year in the second year in the league, young guy mashing the ball, fills his position well. They have a lot of good players. And again, it goes back to what two, three years ago, the Phillies are trash and right. the Braves are trash at the same time. And it seems like they're kind of building themselves back up at the same time too, which could make for a really interesting rivalry consider considering interdivision. Because it looks like this is going to be the last stand for the Nationals. Even if the Nationals do get hot and win the division, I think this is going to be it for them, personally. Right. And they also did wrong by Dusty Baker, but it's a whole conversation. <laughs> but that being said, um, I think over the next couple of years, it will be the Phillies and the Braves. You look at the Atlanta Braves, I mean, you mentioned Ronald Acuna Jr., who is probably one of the highest talented prospects in the last five years. This guy, and keep in mind with Ronald, it's very important that people know this. This guy, you know, you know how much Ronald Acuna's signing bonus was? Mm, seven million, nine million? No, a hundred thousand. Oh wow, hundred thousand again because you know he came from Venezuela, right, 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 right. Um, which is a whole other thing. We could spend an hour just talking about <laughs> baseball in and of that way and how you know these the foreign draft. Not, excuse me, not foreign foreign free agency because it isn't a draft, but that's a whole other conversation to itself. He signed for a hundred thousand dollars. Dansby Swanson, by comparison, now his signing bonus is more in that three, four million dollar range. Mm-hmm. You understand know what I'm saying? Right. And that's not that's not a knock on Dansby Swanson, but you know who's the better player? You know what I'm saying? You're assuming Ronald Acuna. I mean, this guy has power, has speed. I mean, this is a guy who Ralph Gar, who played with Hank Aaron, has been a scout for the last thirty years, and was a good player on his own account. He compared Ronald Acuna to Hank Aaron at age twenty. Um, Chipper Jones has compared him to Andrew Jones. I mean, you go on down the line. Bobby Cox, same thing, and said this guy's like Andrew Jones. Watching Ronald Acuna hit is worth the price of missing itself. The ball, and you hear this a lot, right? The ball sounds different off his bat, but actually there's numbers that prove it. You look at the exit velocity off some of the hits that he has. I mean, he, the ball goes off his bat 110 miles an hour. And the way, the best way to quantify that is, it's 110 miles per hour. <laughs> I just, I mean, I, I was trying to come up with like a, a really fancy example, but there really isn't one. I mean, the ball just flies off his bat. He hits it hard. He hits it far. And the guy can run like a gazelle, fills his position well. 
and can throw it. But I tell you what, the Braves got another young man who may be just as good, kid Ozzy Albies. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of Curacao, oddly enough, the homeland of Andrew Jones grew up, him and his dad grew up a Braves fan and then passed it down to Ozzy and Ozzy ended up signing with the Braves and second baseman. Ozzy Albies has 12 home runs going into Saturday and Sunday's play. What does that mean? Athletes baseball. Yeah. Him and Bryce Harper are tied. Yeah. Bryce Harper is literally twice his size. Ozzy Albies <laughs> is 5'6, 165 pounds. I mean, Ozzy is listed at 5'8, but listen, really, he's shorter than me. <laughs> I'm not a tall dude. You know what I'm saying? But, I, but the thing I love about Ozzy Albies most is that he carries himself and not in a Napoleonic kind of way or a, you know, you know how we've seen some right. guys who are shorter try to compensate. It's not that he's overcompensating. He's just very confident and secure in who and what he is because he does the work to be great, and he is. And then you look at that, now you got Mike Soroka as a pitcher coming on, 20 years old. He's been compared to Tom Glavin. You look at Sean Newcomb, who is really starting to put it together as a pitcher. You also got Johan Camargo. And Nick Markakis is having one of the best starts to a season in his career. I mean, he had seven home runs. At this point, uh, excuse me, around 35 games of seven home runs, he didn't hit seven home runs to game number 135 last year. And he's 34. So, I mean, something's going on there. But, you know, it looks like it's, he's been pretty good. He's hitting the ball harder and further than he ever has. And I'm not saying this Braves team is going to win the division because I, I do think the Nationals will get hot and eventually win that division. But I think the Braves can compete for a wild card, and I think it will be great for them. And I think over the next year or two, you're going to see the Braves be one of those teams that's going to be in the mix. Like I said, when you have a lineup, when you have Ronald Cooney hitting one, Ozzy Albies hitting two, and Freddie Freeman hitting behind him at three. Yeah, the, the whole key is definitely Freddie Freeman being able to play the majority of the game. Wow. To, 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 I am upset. <laughs> and just think about that. I'm, I'm sorry. I, am, I am upset because not one time there is a fourth team that we need to worry about as well. They're struggling at the moment, but I Who? believe they'll be uh, they'll be back. The Mets. Huh? Who? <laughs> <laughs> the New York no, Mets. Actually, you know what, though? They got off to a really hot start, and – um, I don't know if their pitching is going to hold. I mean, the Matt Harvey situation is just one of those weird well, he gone, things. Uh, uh, good riddance. Yeah, but I'm saying, but just the way it went <laughs> down was just so bizarre. It's so and, and no offense, it's just so New York Mets. You know, it is. Like, it is. No, like, no, no. I'm one of the. I'm one of those fans where you tell me something about the Mets, I agree with you because, like, it's just it couldn't have been handled either more tacky on either side. Like, it wasn't just. Him or dead. It's just both sides handled it yeah. in the most tacky, just typical Mets, Metsy kind of stuff. I mean, right. But that being said, I do like Mickey Callaway as a manager. He was a really great pitching coach with the Red Sox under Tito Francona. I, I do think that they can get it together. I just, and it's hard because I try not to be the guy who like goes by, oh, well, it's the Mets, it's always the Mets, you know, but. It is kind of always the Mets in this case. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I, and I hate to be that because, like, I, I hate when people do that because I don't think that's how sports really works. But I do think in this case with Wilpon and just everything. And honestly, another thing we don't talk about with the Mets, you know, remember the Mets used to be a big money team. 
But ever yeah, since that Ponzi scheme scandal happened, they have really changed the whole philosophy on how they spend money and how yeah. they attack things. They haven't really developed any kids in their minor league system the way they used to. And they aren't getting the big name free agents like they used to. So the Mets are in an interesting situation. But go ahead. I mean, you're, you're a squad. So I would say, I would say they, uh, Rosario, you got a man Rosario, Dominic Smith got called up this weekend. Uh, with Jay, Jay Bruce, um, who actually they traded to Cleveland, uh, helped the Indians in the postseason, then he came right back. Um, probably the biggest signing they've had post Ponzi would be Cespedes. Right. Um, Todd Frazier, uh, before he, uh, I think he's on the DL at the moment, but, you know, he was a good addition at the start of the season. It's really, I think, also getting rid of their trainer, who's been kind of there since like the mid 2000s was probably one of the reasons why, because they could never stay healthy. And that's one of the reasons why they would either squander a big lead or, you know, look at the World Series. I mean, they had three of those four games against Kansas City dead to rights, and they blew them. So, and that's what's crazy. Like, it wasn't too long ago to match in the World Series. I, I just, again, I, and I just don't – you mentioned the trainer. I just don't really trust them because – When's the last time Syndergaard has been healthy for a whole season? When's the last time, you know, you go on down the line, you start looking at guys who can play, right. who can play, who are good players. It's just they're a little stick bit. That sometimes I, I really try to avoid that, but sometimes it does happen that way. Sometimes certain franchises in certain moments are just a little stick bit. I think the Mets are just one of those franchises that's yeah. stink bit. Right, and I mean, is that problematic? Is is that phrase? You know, everything's problematic these days. They gotta ask. No, no, I'm not. I'm not offended by it because you know it is. I I, don't want nobody no snake bit in hard. Snake bit in hard luck. You know, it's it's all of that. Uh, But I also think that uh, probably one of the biggest losses in their farm system that they well they had to get a bat at the time was when they got suspended. They had to trade. Uh, Fulmer to the Tigers. He was one of the right. biggest arms in the minor leagues at the time. And and then if they would designate Jason Vargas for assignment, I would be very happy about that. But that's another story for another day. You still got uh, Giselman, Seth Lugo. Because the plan was, you know, at the time, you had your five starters. And then you had two starters from last year who were occasionally spot starters, but they were like long relievers. And that was actually part of their uh, success as well, but then, you know, everything, you know, the hard luck happens, but even as the Braves and Phillies have got hot and even the Nationals got hot, surprisingly, the Mets are only two and a half out, and they came back and they beat the Phillies at Citizens Bank Park, where they have pretty much been the landlords at that ballpark over the last uh, several years, even with right. all the improvements the Phillies have made. Uh, it seems like they still have their, their number at that ballpark. And, and the Phillies have been good at home this season. They've been really good at home this season. I mean, well, well, I, I do want to see how that series plays out because it's, you know, one of those things where the Braves lost and then if the if the Phillies would have won, the Phillies would have been in first place. The Mets mm-hmm. win. So, I mean, I, I, I guess I think the division is going to be interesting. There's already been a lot of division games already. But then, so it's going to be weird because – the Braves will see the Mets this weekend, and then they won't see them again until like 
mid late July. They don't see him again after that until September. Right. And then the Braves in the season playing the Phillies like six times, including the last series of the year. So yeah. Yeah. It's gonna be interesting indeed. One last baseball note. We'll talk about the Dodgers out west. Man, they're struggling. Uh, they haven't had uh, any of that, you know, successful, you know, mojo from the World Series, even though they lost one of the most epic World Series. That's like they have a hangover. And uh, Arizona seems to be the class in Colorado, again, look like to be the class of this division. But L.A., last year, I guess they were did the same thing, and then they kind of won those, that you know, what, 20-something games in a row where they went off on that big streak. But I don't know if they really have it in them this year because it looks like people are getting a Kershaw. Their pitching doesn't seem to be as dominant uh, in the starting ranks this year. So uh, just a little news about L.A. and Tobias. Um, what's the word on them? And uh, do people think that they can recover from this hole that they're digging? I mean, it, it's still it's still early. It's still very early. I mean, like I said, we haven't even gotten to Memorial Day. However, there are some concerning trends. And more importantly, with the Mets, I mean, okay, well, excuse me, with the Dodgers, obviously you got K- Kershaw out. And you got Turner out. I mean, he's a big deal to that, right. to what they do. Bellinger struggled, Seager, you know what I'm saying? So you also got to remember a lot of these guys on this team only have, when you look at the back of their baseball card, there's not a lot of years on the back of those baseball cards. So what does that mean? That means these are still young guys and you really don't know what they are. And I think sometimes, I think in baseball, because things have changed so much that we forget you know, back in our day, I mean, you know, all of us hosting there, I mean, you know, we're, we're in our early to mid-30s, right? So, um, except for Don is like 50, but whatever. Um, but, <laughs> you know, we grew up in eras where you really didn't judge a baseball player until he played three full seasons in the show. And okay. as a minor leaguer, you know, it used to take guys three to four years to come up. You would spend a year at each minor league level. right? And you would spend a year in single A, a year in double A, a year in triple A. Then you come up. Now it's guy gets hot for a month in single A, he's up in triple A. Mm-hmm. He then he has a hot month in triple A, he's in the show. Mm-hmm. And what happens is he doesn't get enough at bats. And also he doesn't play in leagues where teams are preparing for him. As a pitcher or as a hitter. Like teams are actually scouting and preparing. And teams are adjusting. All of a sudden, you go to the major leagues, and like the Braves, for instance, one of the things they do is, from a defensive perspective, they can chart every at bat a player has ever had. Wow! And and yeah, so like, and I did a story on it for Mary Day's Journal, by the way. You guys want to check it out there? But anyway, uh, I had to plug myself a little bit. But the point is, is that they could literally see where the guy hits the ball at what count, based upon the pitcher, based upon all these different things. You ain't dealing with that shit in the minors. <laughs> and so now as a hitter, they have all these things on you, all these tools, all these different ways to get you out. And you've never dealt with that because you've never seen a pitcher more than once because you moved up so quick. Mm-hmm. Whereas back in the day, you would take your time at each level and then, and I hate to make this long, but I, I think it's very important information. Like back in the day, the Braves would always love to be in the Carolina League, Carolina League, and the Salad League. They're always trying to make sure to have a team there. Why? Because those those leagues have fewer teams. 
what does that mean? What that means is with a team with with the league with fewer teams, you're going to see some of those teams more than once. And when you see a team more than once, they're now scouting for you. They're familiar with you. Right. And so they're adjusting to you. You're adjusting to them. That's what makes you a better player. So anyway, I saw it say some of these young guys who have had success with the Dodgers, we really don't know who they are. Cause like I said, back in the day, you, you, you didn't make an assessment on who a baseball player was. Till we played three full seasons. But now we make assessments. And I just say that as a guy who just talked about hyped up Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Alves, who I think are great players and Springer and Correa. But bottom line is a lot of times you don't know what these young guys are going to do. They ain't, they, they're not, they haven't been tested yet. They haven't been forged by the fire. Right. I think a over enough time. Example of what you're so, talking about is like Dontrell Willis. Like right, when he right, came right. in. Came in flames. And then flamed out. And mm-hmm. I like that. I like D. Will, man. He's a good dude. But I'm saying, it, man, when these when these teams, especially in baseball, because there's so many different things to scout, so many different things to do that they can get. And now more than ever, with all these different numbers, these WRCs, all these different things, um, you got to be good. You got to be good every day. And it is hard to do over that time. And we just don't know who these guys are. So it's easy to say what the Dodgers could be, but I don't know. I mean, they've lost some guys. They lost one of their top relievers. So we will see. Cause I don't know. Cause in Colorado, they're good, but they can't, they can't, they seem to, they can't hit at home. So, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, and you would think of all that's teams, ironic, <laughs> right? Of all teams that, could, that would hit at home, it would be them. So man, you just don't know, but I will say this. So right now there are some, I guess rap baseball. There's some fun teams doing some fun things. I mentioned the Braves, obviously, with Acuna and Albies. I think those are two of the most exciting young players. I'm not saying I cover that team every day, but they really are. Um, you know, you look at Houston. They still have all their guys. I think they're going to get hot. The Cleveland Indians are 18-18, but they're leading their division. Mm-hmm. I think their events are going to get hot. So there's going to be a lot going on over the next little bit there. All right. Just a reminder that this is Note the Score. I'm your host, Don DeLorente. This week, I'm being joined by the Libra icon, Dwayne and Nabias Wilborn. So, Dwayne, we're going to shift into some NHL talk, man. Yes, sir. And they finally did it. The Washington Capitals, they slayed the dragon known as the Pittsburgh Penguins to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time in 20 years. They won game five, two to one in overtime and game six. oh, game six, excuse me, in overtime. And, uh, you know, the dark clouds finally been lifted. So your thoughts on that series and, and the Capitals did what everybody, you know, has been waiting for them to do for four seasons. Well, it's been more than four seasons. Um, Alex Ovechkin has been in the league since 2005 and it's been a long time coming. So. Um, this, you know, we've always kind of, this is kind of like the prove it, prove me wrong point, uh, with the Capitals. Um, and you do say within the last four or five years with the president's trophy, three of them and being knocked down in the second round each and every time. So with that being said, this was the, I think the Pittsburgh Penguins are just burnt out at this point. Uh, it's really hard to, you know, win two Stanley Cups in a row in this era of the NHL, let alone three. And 
and then you could just tell on most of the cores, you know, the, how they were skating, how the looks on their faces, they, they looked burnt out. And I think, you know, they kind of just flamed out at the end. They really wanted that third cup in a row, but uh, this wasn't meant to be. The Capitals were just faster. Uh, Kuznetsov, uh, Ovechkin, of course, uh, John Carlson on defense. And putting in Braden Holtby back at the net when he should have been in the net in the first place in the first round. Uh, he's been 8-3 um, and three after the second round. Uh, he's done a great job in between the pipes, so. This is a huge um, advancement for Capitals, for D.C. sports in particular, because it's really hard for that area's team to reach a conference final or a league final. So uh, congratulations to them uh, reaching the East final. And we'll probably get we're going to get into that in just a moment anyway. So, yeah, the thing with Pittsburgh is they had a tougher season, too. They were out of the playoffs and had to really kind of make a dash there to get back into it. So, um, you know, they, they had their really tough regular season and they had injuries in a regular season as well. So yeah, like you said, this was a, a stretch of three years that they've played at the top of the league and just caught up to them. Tampa. I mean, ba- Oh, go ahead. Nuez. Oh, I was going to say with, 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 uh, the, the caps, man. I mean, look, and that's cool. They won that series and they should have. And quite honestly, it's good to see them win a series. They should have. I'm not going to really bash too much on past history. And like that. like I said, I, I don't like that in sports, but, you know, it was good for Ovechkin to finally get the one covers back. But now they still got to keep doing it. And I want to see how they handle now getting praised. Because for a long time, it always been, oh, they're never going to do it. They're never going to do it. Well, then now they did part of it. I now want to see how they handle expectations. Because that's when it gets real. You know, you look at the, you look at Pittsburgh and look, man, it is hard. Ask LeBron James. You know what it's just like to go to those finals every year, the mental toll it takes on you from your season ending a month, maybe two months later than everyone else's. So then if you do win all the celebrations, everything, if you don't win, then all the stuff that comes with that, it's it's a lot. It's a grind. And I do think it finally got them. But like I said, man, shout out to the Caps. They got that series. And now let's see what they do. And they're still – but you got to think about it, like, it's kind of hard to really get too excited about it because they're still two steps away from the finals. Right, right. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning eliminated the Bruins. And so Tampa Bay moves on to play Washington in the Eastern Conference Final. And then that game took place last evening. And the Capitals came out victorious in game one, four to two. So they're still riding the high, beating Pittsburgh. Um, mm-hmm. And they did something that you rarely see. And they outskated the Lightning, and in Tampa Bay, so right. And that's, yeah, so let me just jump into that real quick. Uh, first, with the Lightning and Bruins, I mean, the Bruins are a young team, and they got hot at the very end of the season, and you know they ended. Up, they actually had a chance to get home ice from Tampa Bay, and you know host the first um, two games in the. Eastern Conference semifinals. However, uh, they lost that makeup game when the, uh, that snow game that was the game that was snowed out. Uh, they lost to the Florida Panthers at the end of the season. So, uh, and, but even then, those a good run by the Boston Bruins. Um, they had a lot. They beat the but Toronto Maple Leafs again, uh, and then in a seven game war, and then going out and 
they just were flat against the Lightning. The Lightning were just quick. Stamkos, Kucherov, um, Tyler Johnson. You have a whole lot of guys that can skate. You have a whole lot of guys that can move the puck all around. The power play was uh, lethal in that series, and they just got the job done when it counted the most. And uh, Vasilevsky in between the pipes was uh, great in the Tampa Bay series. Uh, he wasn't great in game one, though, of the Eastern Conference Finals. The Capitals were riding that wave of momentum. And so, you know, they are trying to do exactly what Nubias alluded to. How are they going to react to it? So, so far, it looks like Ovechkin and company are on a mission to, you know, get that cup. And that's been alluding that's been eluding them this uh, whole time. But, you know, it's three. You got at least three more games in the series. Um, Capitals did the main thing, must take home ice away uh, from the Lightning. The Lightning probably will have to be in a must-win situation for game two so they don't go back to D.C. down down two games. And uh, But we have seen this before where Washington – uh, where the Columbus Blue Jackets took the first two on the road, then Washington took two back on the road, and and then um, ended up winning that series. So uh, I really like to see how these two respond Sunday in Game Two, and we'll just have to go from there. Is there any sport where home field court ice counts less than hockey? No, not at all. I think I think it's. The easy hockey is probably one of the easiest sports where the road. I think it has where the road team has the best chance of winning. Also, you know, a team is not. You think a team is down when the team is down like two zero or three zero in a series in baseball and basketball. We pretty much say it's a foregone conclusion, except you know the O four Red Sox. But in four instances in hockey, has happened. Uh, the most recent was 2014 when the Sharks uh, blew that 3-0 series lead to the Kings. That made me sick to my stomach, but that's another personal story for another day. But, um, yeah, it does mean the least. I mean, we're probably we're going to actually talk about that in, in just a moment with the Jets and the Predators because Don, just go ahead and go into that one because that's where home ice really meant the least. Yeah, the Winnipeg Jets. They came into Nashville. Nashville had Cheryl Crow singing the national anthem. They had Eddie George come out, get the crowd hype, and what's that? The catfish they throw out there on the ice. Yep. He. They had. I mean, they had everybody rocking in the building, and the Winnipeg Jets come out and score two goals in the first period and end up winning five to one in Game Seven in Nashville to advance to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, this was just a great job of skating by the Jets. Um, that first goal, I don't know what crack crevice it snuck through to get in there. And then the second goal was just a, a phenomenal play where he picked it up and flipped it in behind the goalie's shoulder. And right. that basically was it. Once those two goals went in, Nashville pulled their goalie and uh, yeah. really didn't get much better than, uh, after that. It did not. It was pretty much like – I. I wasn't there for Game 7, unfortunately. I had to work that night. But I did watch the game. And, you know, and the crazy thing about this series was these two had probably the best crowds in the NHL. uh, But the road team won. Uh, Winnipeg won three games in Nashville. Nashville 
has law national only lost nine regulation games this season at Bridgestone Arena. They're twenty eight nine and four at at Bridgestone. Um, they just could not get the job done in their own building against the Jets. And conversely, the Jets couldn't get it done in their building against the Predators <laughs> because I mean the Jets were up two games to one and they had the chance to really put Nashville away. Uh, they had a chance to put Nashville away, but the Predators ended up winning. Um, Predators ended up winning game four. Then the Jets won game five on the road. Packer shuts out the Jets in game six, and then he gives up two goals in 10 minutes and two bad goals at that and gets pulled from the game. And in the game seven, and Pecorino in game sevens just don't seem to mix. I mean, the last game seven, I mean, you had the Anaheim series where the Predators, um, you know, they prevailed in that one. But um, I remember I remember distinctly when the Sharks and the Predators won the game seven in San Jose, and um, he got pulled from that one after he broke his stick and flung it at the wall, at the boards. But this was just a bad um, – this was just a bad – I think we allude to the President's Trophy curse uh, since 2004, 2005 when they came back from the lockout. Only two teams have won the President's Trophy for the best record in the NHL have won the Stanley Cup, the Red Wings, and the Blackhawks. Um, most times the teams that win this trophy end up getting out in the second or even first round. So, um, Connor Hellebuck was phenomenal in between the pipes and in this game seven. And it was one of those things where I just really just love the skating of the Jets, Wheeler, Ehlers, Patrick Line, Mark Shifley. Uh, these guys just really know how to get the job done. And, in the battle of former Carolina Hurricanes coaches, Paul Maurice <laughs> beat Peter LaViolette, and Paul Maurice is now 3-0 and in Game 7s. Uh, and so the Jets host uh, Vegas tonight um, in the West Final, and we'll see how – we'll see if the Winnipeg Whiteout will actually help the the uh, former Atlanta Thrashers. Man. Fuck Winnipeg, go. <laughs> <laughs> just, just talk about talk about Vegas. I know that you yeah, know, y'all know they, why too. Man. Yes, I, I know why. Yeah, we know why. why. Wait, it, it's crazy how because before the anytime the Jets come to Nashville, the Predators always play Georgia. Um, before the during the starting lineup, so I always play Georgia by Ray Charles, and I'm just like, oh, oh, petty. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, they, they stole our they stole our team, man. Who's minding our business? Uh, anyway, you remember you know, when people used to say that, oh, Winnipeg, it's just the Atlanta of Canada. Nobody's going to support them, even if they go there anyway. That was, well, I mean, mm. it's, well, look, there's nothing else to do in Winnipeg, man. I mean, you know, Atlanta, there's actually things to do and like experience. And, right. And, and the team didn't win. I mean, right. yeah. That's a big that well, they had bad ownership. I mean, no, it's terrible ownership. I mean, the Atlanta Spirit Group is awful. I mean, I, and I've said that to their face. I mean, they just, I mean, I, uh, anyway, I want to get too far. But generally, in sports, it's, it's sports there's three types of owners, right? Mm-hmm. All right? There's owners who they're just happy to own a team. They're just happy to be able to say they got a team. Then there's owners who want to win. And I mean by want to win, you know, if if it don't cost too much, if it's not too hard, they want to win. And then there's owners who have to win, meaning that they will do whatever it takes by any means necessary to win. Okay. I think Arthur Blank is 
a, a three. I think Robert Kraft is a three. I think Jerry Jones, as flawed as he is, is a three. And I could even um, say in hockey, I could even say in hockey, uh, Rocky Wirtz, he's a three because yeah. the way he spent the money to get the Blackhawks to where they were after his dad was very cheap. Right, right. All those years with the Blackhawks, like not even being on local TV, just all that weird stuff. Mm-hmm. And for them to become a, you know, a legitimate franchise. Right. Yes, that makes you a three. Um, the Atlanta Spirit Group was a one. You know, that's just what they were. They were just happy to be able to say they own the team. And they never really invested in hockey. And, you know, one of the things I hate about Kasim Reed the most is that um, he – as a mayor, didn't do enough in the NHL. He, he didn't do he, anything. Yeah, he didn't do anything, you know. And then, you know, now they – anyway, I ain't going to go there, man. They, you know, yeah. they never like the Hawks <laughs> retired his jersey because, like, he put some money into remodeling the arena, but he ain't put no money into the Dashers, man. Right. And, and I got yeah. that. But anyway, anyway. It was, it was a sad – that was a sad situation. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was so focused on the Falcons, like – Right. He didn't even get, he didn't even give the thrashers. Like, he didn't even glance at him. Like, didn't even just, look. And then busy letting the Braves go to cop. Man, don't even get me. But anyway, you know, right. you know, good, you know but man, so, so um, with Winnipeg, and, I hope they and, lose. And you hope. had and you had two players who really liked Atlanta: Vander Kane and Dustin Bufflin. I mean, because they were black. Look, that, that they were the black. Year, <laughs> the year before they left, the, the Thrashers had four, really five black players at one time. You know what I'm saying? Because that right. that one guy who would go back and down. So I mean. You know they, they were doing they were doing commercials on on the hip hop stations. Yeah, uh, like yo, it was it was fun. But right. I will say this though: the Thrashers franchise never really got past what happened with Danny Healy and the death of Daniel Snyder. And yeah, with that, really left a cloud over the team. And they only had one playoff appearance, and they only played one home playoff game, which they lost like seven nothing to the Rangers. So it's like the one time they made the playoffs when they had um Ilya Kovalchuk and um. Ah, what's my man's name? Uh, he was with the Canucks for those years and came uh, over. Burry? No, no, no. no, no. Um, score, you know who I'm talking Anyway. Yeah, it'll come up. Yeah, it'll come to me after the show, which really pissed me off. But, <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, they had Slava Kozlov. They had some really good players, and they, they you know, made a little run, made the playoffs, and then got swept. They didn't, they didn't even play two, like, one home playoff game. One. In their whole franchise history, so yeah, it's kind of hard. But anyway, fuck Winnipeg in some as a staff labeling crew. I think a lot of people are saying fuck the Golden Knights as a staff labeling crew as Man, a I, first I year am, expansion I team am, getting to the Western Conference I, Finals. I, I, I disagree with that because look, they, uh, look, hey man, they. Oh, I disagree oh. with. I disagree with that. I ain't got a problem with Vegas. They, you know, look, man. They, I do. I got all the problems with Vegas. They beat my team, man. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that's understandable. But I don't have a problem with them existing as a like as a unit. I mean, they 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 deserve to exist. I have no problem with that. Yeah, and it's kind of like the way if we go back, actually go back to the whole Winnipeg thing for just a second. I mean, look at the way the NHL kind of uprooted the original Jets and they're suffering as the Arizona Coyotes. So um, that's, you know, I think the way that's the way, you know, you feel about the Jets and the current Jets, that's how most people in Winnipeg feel about the original Jets who are the Coyotes now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In local hockey news, the Carolina Hurricanes hired Rod Brendamore to become their Mm -hmm. new 
head coach. Uh, that's actually the moves that I wanted them to make. I think that, you know, he, uh, Bill Peters just looks like he was uninterested a lot of the times. And he was. He lot- was because he bolted the Calgary like three days after he resigned. <laughs> And and a lot of the strategizing and end of the game stuff, Rod Brendamore was handling anyway as the lead assistant. So I thought it was a good move. He'll definitely play harder. He won't, you know, stand for any lack of effort or anything like that. So right. they can figure out what to do at goaltending. Uh, Cam Ward's getting old. He's probably past his prime. He'd be a great backup, but not your number one. Yeah. And then they yeah. spent all this money on Darling, who's clearly not a number one. So they got to figure out something at goaltender. But I think everywhere else, I, if I was him, though, one strategic thing I would do, I would move Justin Falk off of defense and make him a centerman on a, a lower was, line. And he, the crazy thing was he was a centerman in Charlotte when I used to work Charlotte Checkers games at, at the now Spectrum Center. I mean, he was a dynamic center forward. So I don't know why he was on defense. And that was just, yeah, that was just really bad strategy. Yeah, I, I saw him personally cost them like two, two of their last like four games personally just being like, if he's supposed to be on defense, he's not really that fast and he's not really that strong to be, you know, banging in the guys, getting them off the puck. Yeah, I think they're trying to make him like a Brent Burns and, you know, where you can change him from a forward to a center. That right. just does not work. Right, right. So uh, that's our NHL report just on some uh, local news. Yes, oh, sir? wait, we did, do we do, do, I mean, I know, I know I was angry about Vegas, but we didn't do Vegas. Oh well, I mean, we just glossed on them. I mean, they they won okay. in six games. They they shut your guys out three to nothing yeah. in game six. Um, oh yeah, we we talked about it last week, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, game one West final seven o'clock on NBC. Uh, Golden Knights and Jets. From you got a the... you got a prediction or? Um, I you know sorry to bias, but I hope the Jets win in seven. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the Jets win. In, in, I think Jets in six. Um, I want to say in the East, I'm going to go. I said Lightning in seven. So we'll see what happens there. Okay. All right. Nah, I hope the arena implodes in the game. <laughs> I want about a diamond. I just I hope they like implodes and they can't play. He just wants they the ice to not to be able to freeze accordingly. Right. Something <laughs> like that. Yeah, something like that. Just happened. Forfeit, <laughs> for, forfeit the game. <laughs> right, right, right. I, I don't want nobody to die or not. I just want them, like to not be able to play and have to lose. Right. I only want to make no money off of it. But please keep some of your money coming to the podcast here in the CSPN at and know the score by going over to CSPN.us and signing up for Blue Apron. You can surprise your mom, cook her a Mother's Day meal by going over to CSPN.us, then clicking on the tab that says keep our podcast free. Click on the Blue Apron tab and sign up for Blue Apron, and you'll get $30 off your first order. So Blue Apron will send everything you need to make the meals to your home. Um, Everything will be fresh. They will have the instructions. All you do is follow the instructions, and 30 to 45 minutes later, you have healthy, fresh-cooked meals on your table. So you can do that through CSPN and Blue Apron and help keep Know the Score free each and every week. So, guys, we're going to get into the NBA as we have reached the conference finals uh, portion of the NBA playoffs. And we're going to start with LeBron James. He went full Thanos and erased the number one seed, the Toronto Raptors, in a sweep 
Um, I think this playoff run right now has basically quieted the rest of the doubters and haters that LeBron has had. Um, he's done some tremendous things dragging these guys to this uh, Eastern Conference final this year. Uh, the walk off last Saturday um, against Toronto basically summed up his, you know, mastership of them um, in just one fell swoop. So, Nabias, you've, you know, seen the man since he was 18 years old coming to the league. Now he's an elder statesman. And like, why, man? He finds a little way to get a little bit better and add something new to his game uh, each playoff run. And this year's no different. Um, I mean, first of all, you know, you look at the life and legacy of LeBron James. I hope there's like several documentaries, movies, and books written about this man. And, you know, I'm not really fan guy for a lot of different reasons. I'll tell you what, you look at this guy coming from where he came from and to do what he has done in his life is if you believe in the quote unquote American dream of pulling stuff about your bootstraps, LeBron James is that right. I mean, you look at what he has done, what he's been able to do for people, um, I, his legacy off the court long lives his legacy on the court but he's a bad bad man on the court and has been able to consistently find ways to improve adapt his game um, there's a really great article from ESPN written about him from Brian Windhorst who probably knows LeBron as well as anybody considering that he's covered him since literally he was 15 you know um, Windhorst was one of the first people to write about LeBron you know obviously everybody knows that but he wrote a really good story where it's like LeBron apparently has found a way to rest during the game. And, you know, a good friend of ours, George Foster, kind of laughed at it at first. And I was like, nah, Foster, you need to read the article. And then, you know, because Foster, for those who don't know, he's an offensive lineman, played for a while. He's been a guest of the show. And, you know, he's on Twitter. And sometimes Foster tweets like a, you wouldn't know Foster has done the things he's done. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that being said, uh, I was like, nah, Foster, read the article. And he's like, oh, wow, this is really cool where, LeBron has found unique ways to rest during the game during the game to make sure he has the energy he needs when it comes time. I mean, what he knows about basketball, there's a story with Patrick Peterson where Patrick Peterson literally said LeBron was calling out his plays to him and telling him how he was in the wrong position for the plays. And not even in an arrogant way, just in what it is. I mean, you know, LeBron knows basketball better than anybody. I not to name drop here, but just for sake of reference. Time of conversation with Dwayne Wade, and I was like, "Hey, man, does anybody watch more film than LeBron?" He's like, "It's probably guys who watch as much film as him. Maybe, maybe guys who watch more, but it's not so much that he watches so much film. He does, but it's that he knows what to watch and he knows what to look for. A lot of guys are watch film and they're just looking for themselves how to get more shots. LeBron watches the game in a way in which very few people." ever have in the history of basketball and that's what makes him special and the fact that he can physically apply it like somebody was like well Ray John Rondo probably watches as much film okay probably maybe and Ray John Rondo can apply it but he can't apply it like nobody nobody ever and this is even MJ has been able to study and break down a game of basketball and apply it the way LeBron James has no matter what he does right if he ever wins another championship to me that makes him one of the greatest athletes of all time. And the fact that his words carry so much weight. I mean, you can ask LeBron about anything, and he has an answer for it. And that answer is going to lead today. 
if you can ask LeBron about neoliberal politics in Israel, and he'll give an answer, and that answer will be on the front page of all the papers in Israel. Like, he is the basketball equivalent to Oprah or Beyonce. I mean, that's how big his name is. That's how much he matters. And he does all that, carries all that, and still goes out and puts up 34 tonight, still deals with everything else. And, oh, and by the way, that's a guy who, other than the decision, and I don't even think that was as bad as we made out to be, has never embarrassed his wife, himself, or his family in any way. He is as true a good American as ever has existed on this planet. Yeah, big shout out to him. Now, Dwayne, we talked about Toronto. We t- we said that, you know, you remember like back in the day, San Francisco, when they were in the NFC West, the Rams would start out, you know, hot and they'd be like, you know, they'll tell off same sorry ass Rams. Well, mm-hmm. looks like same sorry ass Raptors because right. they had their best season they've ever had. Number one seed, all the advantages looked like they were catching Cleveland in their worst position that Cleveland's been in coming, you know, into the playoffs in a long time. And none of it mattered after they blew that game one lead. Um, yeah. Game four was just dis- total destruction um, from uh, Cleveland. That wasn't even close. The Marta Rosen gets benched. Um, so, you know, I, uh, Dwayne Casey, coach of the year, you're fired the next day, grand opening, grand closing. So where does Toronto go from here? Is it a total blow up, new coach, new players, or do we kind of run back what we had with just a new voice and new strategy? Well, it's a tough one because, um, I mean, Dwayne Casey was one of the reasons why LeBron was able to do his turnaround. I mean, remember the finals when uh, the Dallas Mavericks smoked uh, the heat and Part of the reason was the one Casey strategy on LeBron James, and LeBron learned from that. That goes back to what Tobias was saying about how LeBron breaks down everything, and he learned from that, and he's applied that. And Dwayne Casey just never had an answer. But now to answer the question, um, I don't know what to do with this team because you got Lowry and DeRozan on max deals. You know, I don't fathom any team – really trying to take on that contract anytime soon. Um, Masai Jiri did say they're going to continue to develop the talent. Um, I don't know. Do you promote your G League coach, Jerry Stackhouse, to the head coaching job in Toronto? Maybe. Do you go get somebody who else got fired, like a Stan Van Gundy? Maybe. Do you get a relative unknown? I don't know. It's going to be – it's tough to really to decide what to – how to figure out what this team – where this team is going to go because you can continue to do – you can continue to get 45, 50 wins in the season, but if you're going to just be getting second-round exits or even first-round exits, what's the point, you know? So, so you know, we, we said this from the jump that – you know, we could not trust the Toronto Raptors. They proved us to be correct. Um, I don't, maybe really, get I don't a- really want to buy into that, though. I, I, don't think that, I don't think that's fair, and I'll tell you why I don't think that's fair in this particular instance. Because that dude I just spent three minutes talking about <laughs> is still that dude. And there's he a reason is. why. I mean, we could literally do a three-hour podcast on the greatness of LeBron James, and it's still right. be enough. 
I mean, you ain't getting past LeBron James. I'm sorry, you're just not. I mean, it ain't Dwayne Casey's fault. It's not even DeMar DeRozan's fault. You ain't getting past on LeBron, dog. I mean, now I, you know, I honestly believe that if the Raptors would have played any other team in the Eastern Conference, they'd be in the Eastern Conference Finals, and then they still lose to LeBron. And I don't think that's it. And I don't think I don't think there's any shame in that because I think people. It's make not the it fact like, that they lost; it's the way they've lost, though. Like, was it ten straight get, games or something like that? Get, yeah, it's ten straight games, and then you had your best shot in game one, and when you miss all those buckets, like three or four buckets from two feet, that it, that took that took the wind out of their sails. You can just see it on their faces. Like, what do we do now? And at that, from that point on, it was just like. They look lost, and they look like they look shell shocked. Well, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, but I mean, how many times have we seen LeBron? You know, stats stats the team's soul. I mean, he's been doing that, and so that's why he is what he is. I mean, that's what he does. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna beat the Raptors up for that. Now, I'm also, I also don't think the way Casey should have lost his job. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, come on, bro. I don't, I don't either. I mean, I think he I, was the best guy for the job. I mean, who they for, the, for this team, and that, that's why that's why I said who I don't know who they're gonna get at this point because you gotta get somebody who can get them to elevate their game and get by LeBron, and I don't think you're gonna get anybody better than what you had. Yeah, it's always a curious case when you get rid of your coach. Who do you have? Who can you get that's going to be better? <laughs> so, and. Uh, and then even then, I mean, they, the Raptors also they should have they should have easily beat the dysfunctional Wizards and, but that's another story for another day. But um, yeah, let's let's just say I mean, you, like you said, LeBron was pretty much Thanos and the Raptors just didn't feel so good. So. <laughs> Chris Paul advances to his first Western Conference Finals as he scored forty to push Houston past the Utah Jazz. Finally got over the hump, the, you know, before the Steph Curry, Kyrie, you know, revolution started. The hands down most complete point guard in the NBA, best point guard in the NBA. But he'd never been past the second round of the playoffs. Uh, he made sure that they were getting there because Harden did, really didn't have a good night. And Chris Paul said, come on, everybody get on my back. Let's go. And so now we're going to get one half of the dream matchup that we all wanted. Houston has finally made it through. So... Now the season really starts for them. I think everybody figured out early once they got off to that hard start, had that big winning streak, that, okay, playoff time comes. It's all about the last two rounds, Western Conference Finals, and then if they can get past that, the finals. Dwayne, I'll let you start this time. Uh, just Houston, uh, their makeup, can it work in the Western Conference Finals and the finals? Can they win a championship with the three-point barrage being their first and second option? Live by the three, die by the three. If they can make the shots, they will be okay. But they also have a four-headed uh, juggernaut on the other side that can make just as many. So it's going to boil down to really who makes more and who plays better defense. And that's one difference with that Mike D'Antoni has uh, from his teams from the past is they are better defensively, the Rockets are. Uh, but it's just going to boil down to really who who makes more threes and who defends better, uh, and probably some more into that. But I'll let I'll let, I'll let the guys get into the more details of that one. 
Yeah, and about your thoughts about the Rockets and, and Dan Tony and just the system going into the Western Conference Finals and can this attack really play itself out? I mean, it's gonna be fascinating, right? Because I mean, him and Steve Kerr kind of go back when Steve Kerr was an executive and with Phoenix, and they were there with D'Antoni, and just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Then they tried to do some things. So it'll be interesting to see that dynamic between D'Antoni and Kerr. Um, I say, why not? I think it'll be a fun series. I still, I still think Golden State's the better team, assuming that Curry is healthy, which is very important. Right. If he's healthy, I'm assuming Golden State's better. I'm assuming Golden State will win in six, maybe seven. But it'll be a fun series. I think Toronto, I think, excuse me, not Toronto, I think Houston can push him. You look at what Chris Paul's done. You look at James Harden, who's likely the MVP of the league. Clint Capella is someone whose name does not get mentioned enough. They have a pretty complete team. I like the way Houston plays. I mean, I think we can say things don't work until we see it. I don't know. I mean, what I do know is uh, I'd much rather watch this series than the other series, I'll tell you that. All right. The Warriors, they handled their business at home against the Pelicans to win in five games to advance the other half, to be the other half of the Western Conference Final. Um Look like business as usual. Um, you know, the Warriors, as long as they don't turn the ball over, there's really, yeah. once they get the lead on you, there's right. really no team who can come back on them. Um, and that's kind of what happened in this game. They let the, you know, reserves get in there and it got a little bit closer. But, um, I think for me personally, what I'm going to be watching is how long can Clint Capella stay on the floor for Houston? If it gets to a situation where he can't guard anybody and they have to kind of Houston has to go smaller, then it's going to be advantage going to stay all day. But if Clint Capella can stay on the court and guard the man that he has to guard, uh, that's going to give Houston a really good shot because he's got the advantage over everybody but Durant that they can really walk down into the paint as far as scoring and rebounding and defensively. And that's the only thing that he needs to really do in this game is just worry about rebounding the ball and keeping Steph from driving all the way to the hoop. I also think, too, um, yeah, if, you, if Capella is going to be a liability, I mean, the Rockets have shooters, too. I mean, they got Eric Gordon. They got, I mean, Joe Johnson buried somewhere in that bench, too. Brian Anderson, if he ever Ryan decides Anderson to find his and, jumper again. Right. And so there there are guys that can shoot the ball and uh, match up. And I, I really want this series to go the full seven games because we as uh, basketball fans deserve it. Yeah. Uh, these are two of the best teams in the NBA. I would say Warriors and seven as well because of the championship pedigree. To beat the champs, you got to beat the champs. So I'm going to just um, say that, you know, until the champs are beaten, I want to ride that wave, and we'll see what happens. But, um, but if the Rockets win, it'll be well deserved. Uh, you know, I really, I mean, we could be on a collision course for our four straight Warriors Cavs finals, but I kind of just want to see something different, just a little bit, uh, just Nebi- a little bit. Tobias, you'll you'll like this reference uh, somewhere. Cotton Fitzsimmons and Doug Moe are going to be back watching these games going like, this is what we tried to implement to y'all 40 years ago, but y'all wouldn't accept it. Because Doug Moe and Cotton Fitzsimmons were always the kings of go-go basketball. And this is going to be definitely a series where I wouldn't be surprised if we get one game that's like 130-125 in, in a playoff game. And that's going to be like old school 80s 
basketball. Hey, them boys, hey, them boys for the guy that light it up. Man. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a lot of Remember fun. Remember to run and gun it, baby. I, I the Boston Celtics, behind the strategizing of Brad Stevens and the young boys Terry Rozier and Jason Tatum, beat the 76ers 114-112 to move on to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, another game that Philly led in the fourth quarter but did not close it out. Uh, that's kind of the story of this series. Um, just every time Boston calls timeout or every time we have a timeout and they have the ball, they just score. And it's becoming like almost like wizardry. So talk about the Celtics young team. Nobody thought they'd be here, especially without Kyrie, without Gordon Hayward. Um, at some point, it's got to be become, hey, the talent is there too, plus the coaching. Can't all just be the coaching. So Nobody just talk about the Celtics and this run that they've made, uh, you know, and how far they can go. And can they defeat LeBron? I mean, do they have enough young boys who don't maybe be naive enough to go up in here and say, we can do it? No. <laughs> oh, oh, I guess I can say. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Expound on that for me. I mean, no. I mean, no, but seriously, I mean, I, I, I mean look, man. Look, I mean, they're missing the two best players. Right. And two guys who they really around. I'm sure they'll play hard. They may get a home game. I don't see this really being much of a series yet. Now, maybe a year or two from now. As those kids continue to develop, and LeBron eventually like ends up, you know, not playing anymore, maybe. But right now, I just don't see them. I don't see series even being a threat to LeBron. I'm not saying they would get swept like Toronto because you know they got a little bit more fight than that. But I, I don't see it going past five games. Okay. Dwayne, I jump in here and uh, your thoughts on the Celtics. I know they uh, have caused a lot of excitement and a lot of, uh, you know, last minute drama there. Uh, the other night, that game got a little squirrely. Brett Brown would have been smart and had another timeout. Really could have got exciting for you guys. But uh, just talk about the Celtics, their, pers- their perseverance and uh, just the next round. And uh, you think Brad Stevens can cook up something to at least slow LeBron down? Well, I mean, so the first part, um, I was watching this at work and I was, you know, distracted by, I should have been, well, luckily I didn't have a phone call to worry about. So I was able to kind of tune into this game a little more intently. And, you know, Marcus Smart uh, had probably the two um, biggest plays. I think when he was intentionally trying to miss uh, his hustle back down the, other end of the court and getting the ball, you know, to end the game was tremendous. Um, uh, Jason Tatum is playing very, very well beyond his years as a rookie. Al Horford is really the leader of this team because, you know, you don't have Kyrie or Gordon. Uh, Jalen Brown, who's, you know, he was hurt, but he's been effective. And even Aaron Baines, who, you know, he – he got. He's been dunked on two or three times, but he keeps he keeps going. So <laughs> I mean, he, if he probably, keeps making he that got, corner three pointer, he can stay out there, right? Yeah. So, uh, so he's good for a corner three uh, now and then. Um, I really just like uh, the fight of this team, the toughness of this team. That's what Brad Stevens preaches first and foremost: is toughness. If you're not going to display any kind of toughness, you're not going to play. Um, 
And he simply outclassed and outcoached Brett Brown in this series. And even though Brett Brown would be – he was my personal pick for Coach of the Year. I mean, taking the team that won 10 games two years ago to 52-30, and 30, a 16-game win streak to end the season, and and uh, third seed in the East is phenomenal. Um, but this team did show us youth. Uh, I think Ben Simmons does need to get – some more outside shots in. Uh, Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid, um, kind of trash talking and trolling, kind of came back to haunt them this time. Yeah, I mean they uh, they weren't ready. The Sixers weren't ready, man. Yeah. They weren't. They, they, they weren't ready, and that's okay. I mean, because I think that's part of the process, that's, that's, right? That's I mean, the growth. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I hate these. <laughs> you know I mean, but but seriously, but I, I mean, think about it. It, it, it. Without the NBA, there really hasn't been a team that first year together. When they just go run through it, like nah, bro, you you gonna take these lumps? Right. You know, Jordan took his lumps, LeBron took his lumps, uh, Magic took his, Birds. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, all yep. all these guys, they everybody took their lumps. It's just part of what it is because you, in order to win, particularly in the NBA, you got to lose. It's different than any other sport in that way. You, you got to lose experience. Yeah, you got to lose because now. What you hope is that Embiid and Simmons and those guys, they go back and they look at, okay, well, this is where we went wrong this time. How do we avoid that? And you know what I'm saying? This will fuel their work in the summer and everything else. Right. I mean, yeah, they're going to be all right. What I, saw from, what I saw from Philly is they just – hopefully he can get himself together and come back and, and play a full season. They're just missing a point guard. Their whole – everything about their rotation is thrown off because they don't have that true – starting point guard that they could put in there. That's the reason why, like, things kicked up a little bit when they put McConnell in there because he was, you know, doing more of your point guard, driving in, you know. He was such a pest. Yeah, taking the, taking the layups that, um, you know, were there to be get that they were given the point guard. And it was giving Simmons a little bit less time with the ball in his hand where he could be more of a finisher. And that's the reason why yeah. they, they, they got the one game that they did get is because, you know what I'm saying, it kind of changed the roles up a little bit. So I think maybe yeah. next year once if folks can come back and play a majority of the games and be their point guard and kind of slot Simmons where he doesn't have to do so much of everything, then I, I think that that'll set them on a much better path. Because it looks like at the end of the game, they just didn't know what to do because they didn't have yeah. a point guard. Yeah. And then also, I agree with that. And then I also think this will be a very good rivalry. Oh, yeah. Um I can't wait to see the uh, future matchups against these Sixers. And also, you know, it was fun sending my dad a live message saying, kind of laughing at him and whatnot. I mean, Philly got, they got the Super Bowl. They got the national title. I don't need anything else right now. (laughs) So I'm going to get you guys predictions before we, uh, uh, in the NBA segment here. So in the bias, I'll go with you first. In the Eastern Conference, I think we all think you're going with Cleveland. Basically, LeBron is just going to be too much for the Celtics to handle. But who do you think you're going to uh, pick in the Western Conference between Houston and Golden State? I like Houston. All right. So Houston and Golden, and Houston and uh, Cleveland for Nabias is his finals choice. Uh, Dwayne, your choice for Eastern Conference finals uh, between Cleveland and Boston? All right, let me take my fan hat off and put my journalist hat on. So um, let's just be honest. Uh, the Probably you're going to try to let LeBron get hands and stop everybody else, but uh, 
what's going to happen is I think this these Cavaliers have finally figured it out. They're gelling at the perfect time. Uh, the Pacers series taught them a lot. And at the end of the steamrolling through the Raptors, I think they're going to take advantage of, you know, the youth of the Celtics is finally going to catch up with them. And I want to say Cleveland in five. Um, And then out West, like I said before, you know, if Houston wins in seven, I won't be surprised. But like I'm going to stick with the champs here and say Warriors in seven. They find a way to get that game seven in Houston and break the Rockets' hearts. All right. And I'm going to agree with you, Dwayne. I think it's going to be for the fourth time. It's going to be the Warriors and the uh, and the Cavs. So maybe they can like make a video game out of it now that they've done it so many times in a row. That could be like the next version of NBA 2K. Just be right. Warriors versus Cavs or whatever. Right. So at this point, going to open it up to Nabias and Dwayne for their final thoughts and thank yous. So Nabias, final thoughts and shout outs. Hey, man, first of all, man, I want to thank you guys for hitting me up and getting me back on. I really want to do this show more often. It's just been, you know how life goes, man. Life is crazy. But um, really just want to thank everybody for listening. And most importantly, man, we have to continue to do better as society when it comes to listening to the women, man. Right, there's, some, there's some things I've seen on Twitter. Man, listen to these ladies, man. They're trying to tell y'all what's going on and what's happening. Pay attention to what they're saying. Pay attention to what they're doing. And Make sure we support all the women in our lives. And by the way, happy Mother's Day to everyone that is listening. Whenever you listen, whether it's before Mother's Day, after Mother's Day, or during, happy Mother's Day to all of you. Shout out to the ladies. Shout out to the mothers. All right. Thank you for that message, Nabias. Dwayne? Yes. Um, uh, shout out to uh, you guys. Um, thank you once again for having me on for these past six months. It's been a blast. Uh Thank you to the CSPN. Thank you to all the mothers as well. Happy Mother's Day to all. Um, you know, we touched on the um, we touched on pretty much everything that I lo- I would cover. I also want to say, you know, um, Champions League in a few weeks. Uh, Champions League final: Liverpool and Real Madrid. Uh, you got probably the best, one of the two best players in the world, um, Ronaldo, trying to uh, lead Real Madrid to their third um, uh, European uh, championship in a row versus uh, Liverpool, who is looking for number six uh, themselves. And uh, the way Liverpool plays, I think, you know, is suited for European competition and if they don't do anything in terms of anything in terms of you know being lackadaisical, I think they have a very good chance at upsetting Real Madrid and uh, hoisting the European Trophy for the sixth time. And so, shout out to them, um, and just shout out to everybody listening, and thank you for everything that you know the mothers do and. Just everybody in general, just keep doing what you're doing, stay positive, and and have a good weekend. All right. I'd like to give a shout-out to Nabias for joining us. Thank you. I'm glad you could make it. Give a shout-out to the Libra icon, Dwayne. Give a shout-out to all the listeners, everybody here on the CSPN, all the podcasters. 
put out all the content each and every week. I'd like to also give a shout out to, you know, all the mothers and grandmothers for Mother's Day coming up. Um, hope they have a great day and great week. Um, and I don't really have any, a final, you know, sports note this week. Just thank you for listening as always. And for Nevias Wilbon and the Libra Icon, I'm Don DeLorente. And now, you know the score.